Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guests. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to set up a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. John eight twelve. I am the light of the world, Christ said. I am the light of the world. Now he was criticized in many places for making those I am statements. And in one time when he said, before Abraham was, I am, they took up stones to stone him. Christ made those statements to his people so that they would know from whence he came, and from where he was going to go, and yet still they did not know, not even even his disciples didn't know. Jesus makes a state makes that statement after the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, I am the light of the world. That Feast of Tabernacles, if you remember, that was a time when the children of Israel were to cut limbs from olive trees, from palm trees, and from myrtle trees, whatever they could find close about and make a lean to a tent of sorts, and they would make those either on the street corner or on the rooftops or in the temple grounds, depending on if they'd travel there for that, and they were to spend a week in that, and it was so that the children of Israel would always remember that their forefathers had journeyed from Egypt to the land of promise and that they'd spent those 40 years in wandering. And so they were at that time, and these this feast had taken place, and the next morning after the end of that feast, Christ had come to the temple to teach the people, and he makes this statement, I am the light of the world. During that feast, and in my studies I learned this, during that feast there were two tall columns in on the temple grounds that were lit every evening, just as it was growing dusk. Every evening those lamps were lit on the top of those columns, and they lit not only the temple grounds, but they would light up most of Jerusalem. And those columns and the lights on top of them were to be representative of that pillar of fire that guided the children of Israel as they journeyed from Egypt to the promised land. So here you have this feast has just ended where the children of Israel have been remembering God and remembering how he provided for them in that journey. And one of the things he provided for them was that pillar of fire to guide them at night, pillar of cloud during the day, but pillar of fire at night. And Christ, the next morning at the end of that, just as the sun's coming up, just as it's getting light in the temple ground, says, I am the light. So you can see why this claim of his at the end of that feast where they had had that figure of that light every evening to shine all night long for him to claim that he is the light of the world, not just of Jerusalem, not just of the people of Israel, but of the world. Earlier in John chapter 6, Christ had fed 5,000 men and more. There were women and children there, but the 5,000 men had been fed. Then in the beginning in verses 26 through 59, Christ discusses with the crowd 
that had been fed that prior day and who had followed him back to Capernaum, the manna that their father forefathers had eaten in the wilderness. And he had fed them, if you remember, from five loaves and two fish. And 5,000 men had partaken of that, and the women and children had also, and they had taken up seven baskets over from those five loaves and two fish. And it always amazes me when I read this, they, as they're discussing with this and telling him that they need a sign from him to know that he is who he says he is. And it says, because Moses gave us manna. And he reminds them that it wasn't Moses who gave them manna, that it was God. And they accounted Moses as that great prophet, one of the great prophets, as their leader, as their lawgiver. And they're saying, he gave us manna. What sign are you going to do? And this is the day after he fed them. And so he declares unto them in that verse 35, I am the bread of life. So he's telling them that just because I fed your bodies, that's that's not important because your forefathers ate that manna and died. I am the bread of life. I will give you a bread in which if you eat, you will not die. And so he makes that declaration also in verses 41 and 51 of that, John chapter 6. Then in John chapter 7, and in verse 37 and 38, Jesus declares himself to be living water. I am living water. It doesn't use the I am statement, but he declares himself to be living water and that whoever partakes of that water will have living water springing up in him so that he'll never thirst again. And so this statement was made on the last day of the feast. So in that verse 35, when he makes that, that's the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles when he says, living water, that I am living water. And if you drink of this living water, come to me and drink of this living water and you'll never thirst again. And then the next morning makes that, I am the light of the world statement. And so the feast was that annual feast, as I mentioned already. So in these three statements in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life, John 7 Come drink of me and have living water so that you'll never die. In John chapter 8, I am the, I am the light of the world. Christ is saying, I am God. Because in that journeys in the wilderness, God provided manna. God provided water from the rock. And God provided light for their journeying. And so with Christ making these three claims, he's telling the people plainly, I'm God. I was there. I was there in that journeying that your forefathers did. I was there with them because I am God. I provided that manna to your forefathers that died. I provided that water for them and for their animals out of the rock. I provided that light that was above the tabernacle that guided your way through that wilderness where there was not a road, where there was not an easy journey. He's telling them, I was there. And he's also telling us today that he's the bread from heaven. He's telling us today that he is the living water. He's telling us today that he's the light of the world. And so that what he proclaimed himself to be then, he still is today. What he proclaimed himself to be to them to whom he was speaking, that he was before them, that he provided all that for their forefathers, that today he's providing us that bread from heaven that if we partake of, 
will never be hungry, that will, and that living water that if we partake of will never be thirsty again, and that if we follow him, he will provide the light for the way. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness of men, as the beginning of that verse 12. In John 1, verses 4, 5, and 9, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, in verse 4 and 5. In him was the light of men, and this light that's in him shines in the darkness, and that darkness cannot overcome it. And so then in verse 9, the true light, which gives the light to everyone, was coming into the world, as John was inspired to write about Christ as he came into the world. He came into the world as light shining in a dark place. John three nineteen, and this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. The light that Christ came and shined upon the world and all those round about him, it exposed to themselves the difference between him being God and them. You know, we can read throughout God's word in many times of those who were visited by heavenly beings. You know, John in the Revelation was visited by a heavenly being. He fell down to worship him and he said, don't do that. I'm a servant like you. Stand up. But there was something different between that servant and John, who was a servant of God. John had a vision of Christ, and he did fall down before him. And on and on it goes, and each time there was a comparison made between God, when he appeared in various forms, to man. Man always saw the uncleanness that was in him, even in the Garden of Eden. When God came in the cool of the evening, as his custom was, to walk with Adam and Eve, and they hid themselves. They hid themselves because they knew now there was something different about them from God. And so, you know, we can see that he is the light that shines into the world and it exposes us for why we need him and why we need his light. In Isaiah 9, 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on uh, on them has light shone. Isaiah looking forward by inspiration and prophecy, talking about that time in Matthew four fourteen, so that what what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for <clears throat> for dwelling in the region and shadow of death on them light has dawned. The region of Zebulun and Naphtali would be up near what we call what we think of as Galilee, that region. And Christ, Nazareth was in that, and Christ was reared there, and Christ went back there and returned there many times during his three years of ministry. And so that great light shone in Zebulun and in Naphtali. Paul, in making a defense before King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, verses 22 and 23, says, To this day I have... I have had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying, both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. By Christ rising from the dead, that light shone forth not just on the Israelites, remembering that journeying from Egypt to the promised land, they were the only ones that had that light. But now that Christ has come and that he has been crucified and raised from the dead, Paul's inspired to say 
He's a light to both Israel and the rest of the world, to the Gentiles. So Christ making that declaration that Jesus is a light that shines in the darkness of men. Second, whoever follows him will not walk in darkness. In the second part of that verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. So to not remain in that darkness is to follow Christ, to follow his light. John twelve thirty five. Jesus. so Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. So if we're not following Jesus, we're walking in darkness. And, you know, I, I, I can remember when I was a child and, and my parents would send me to another part of the house and the lights were not on and it wasn't easy to get to the switch where it was to turn it on and I was having to walk in darkness and I was afraid. I was afraid because I couldn't see where I was going. I didn't know where I was going until I got through the switch and I could flip the switch and turn the light on. Then I could see. And that's a crude example, but Christ is that way, isn't he? If we're not following him, we're stumbling about in that darkness. We can't see where we're going. We don't know where we're going until we find him. And then that light is shined into our life. And then as long as we follow him, we can see where we're going and know where we're headed. John twelve forty six. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. He's come as light so that we don't remain in darkness. Without him, darkness remains. Had he never come into the world, this would be a dark place. Even though, you know, we may be able to light it up, but we're talking spiritually it would be a dark place. The places in the world today where Christ is not believed, where Christ is not taught, are dark places in the eyes of God. They're places that the light of the gospel needs to shine. Hence the proclamation, the commission, as we call it, given to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So that the light of Christ may shine into the world. The psalmist in Psalm 1828 said, For it is you who light my lamp, the Lord my God lightens my darkness. So the psalmist here, David, was inspired to write and declare that even at that time and in his day and age, it was God who was light and it was God who lightened his darkness. Isaiah 15 verse 10, who among you fears the Lord and obeys the, obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. To have light requires us to trust God. To trust in him, to trust that that Christ did, that Christ proclaimed about himself to be the light of the world. The last part of that verse, whoever follows him will have the light of life, but will have the light of life. The last few words of that verse. Matthew five fourteen. you are the light of the world, a city set on the hill that cannot be hidden in that Sermon on the Mount that Tyler's been, gave us several lessons on, on this part of it, you're a city set on a hill. You know, this time of year, if you go, if you work much past 4.30 on your way home, you're going to see light, aren't you? If you travel much past 4.30 or 5 o'clock as you're coming to a town, you can see the lights of it afar off, can't you? And so Christ is saying that his people are to be like that. So even in that day and age and when they had oil lamps and 
other methods of lighting, wood fires or dung fires and those sorts of things that shed enough light so that when you were far off, you could know that there were people gathered there, that there was light there, and you could go toward that light. Here, Christ is that. We are to be that in the world. We are to be his lights. We're not light ourselves. We are reflecting the light of Christ. Like the moon reflects the light of the sun, but we are to be a light, something that would draw people to him. Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twist gener- twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. To the church at Philippi, Paul was inspired to write that they shone as lights in the world. They were to be that beacon of hope. God's people have always been to be that beacon of hope. The children of Israel, when God made that covenant with them, yes, it was covenant with Israel, but they were to be like him, like what he taught them to be, so that the rest of the world would say, you know, there's something different about that nation of Israel. I want to go see what's different. I want to find out what's different. I want to know why they do what they do. I want to know why they live the way they live. They were to be the light in the world at that time to draw the people to them. Today, God's people are to be the same still. That plan hasn't changed. We are to be lights that shine bright into the world, that shine bright in darkness. In Ephesians 5 verse 8, For at one time you were darkness. Paul was inspired to write to the church, to the folks at Ephesus, you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. To the people in Ephesus, you were darkness, but now you're light. Since you're light, walk as light. Be that light always, so that the walk be in your everyday life, your, in the King James, your conversation. Your, the way you carry yourself about every day should be such that people will say, oh, that's a Christian, and I want to know why they do the things they do the way they do them. Because it's different from everything I see everywhere else. I'm not talking about weird different. Different from what's commonly seen in the world. In Job, Job 33, 28, as he was being reprimanded, you know, even though he's being reprimanded by his friends and accused falsely by his friends, they did make some statements that we can use. And here this one, I think it was Elihu here making this statement, he has redeemed my soul from going down into the pit. And my life shall look upon the light. He's speaking of Jehovah said, he's redeemed my soul from dying and I will look upon the light. So even Job's friends accounted God at that time as light. And some scholars say that Job is possibly the oldest written, penned book in the Bible. Penned before the, even though Genesis takes it back time before Job. Job written before, and then Moses later wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Second Corinthians 4, 6. For God, for God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let the light shine out of darkness. You know, I can't imagine what it was like for Peter, Andrew, 
and John to go to the top, I mean Peter, James, and John to go to the top of that Mount of Transfiguration and how they're there with him and how his visage begins to change, how he begins to glow and how his clothes glow bright, white, and how his face is glowing and how that then Moses and Elijah are there with him talking. And they're frightened. You know, the Bible tells us they're frightened. Peter's not really sure what to say. And he says, Lord, we should make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And then the cloud overshadows them. And in that cloud, the voice says, this is my beloved son. Hear him. But can you imagine what it was like to see Christ, the one you'd been journeying with for almost three years now, to see him begin to glow? And to see his face begin to glow. And to see his clothes become whiter than anything that you can imagine white. And yet then even brighter. And then you have Paul. Saul as he was known then on the road to Damascus. And a light shone around him brighter than the sun. Brighter than the midday sun. And he fell to the ground from that shining of that light. And here God says, let light shine out of darkness. Christ is that light that was shining out of darkness. We are to be that light shining in the darkness and shining out of the darkness, reflecting the light of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In conclusion, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting or have eternal life. To follow him is to take advantage of that offer from God. First John 5, 7, Tyler mentioned that this morning. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light, no darkness at all in verse, seven, verse 5. excuse me. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. How do we walk in darkness? Christ said, if you follow me, you will be in the light. If we don't follow Christ, then we are walking in darkness and we don't have fellowship, even though we say we do and we lie and the truth is not in us. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. We can walk in the light and reflect the light of Christ, or we can not follow him and not have any light to reflect and be darkness. John 14, 6, Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Have you taken advantage of what Christ has offered? Are you walking in the light? Are you following him? Are you having that hope that's available to all? By following that light, by coming to the light, and then becoming light yourself by reflecting his light. If you've not done that, we're prepared to assist you in that, to baptize you into Christ, so that then you can begin following him, and you can walk in the light and no longer walk in darkness. Or maybe you've done that, and you've quit reflecting that light, and you've gone back into the world, and once again, you are part of the world, and there's darkness in you and no light.